You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. This is Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from beautiful Central Florida. Thank you so much for listening. I know I say it often. uh, It's because I mean it wholeheartedly. Thank you so much for downloading, for listening. Thank you for the great ratings, the great reviews. Thank you for the emails, the tweets, the encouragement. Um, I am blown away and just humbled by the by the incredible group of people that has that has become the the regular listening base, the fan base for uh, for this podcast. So big shout out to all of you. Thank you uh, so much. This is episode two nineteen, and we're going to be uh, tackling a question that came from a regular listener. I'm going to be tackling the idea of how do you know uh, if someone is truly saved? How do you know if your friends and family are are genuine Christians? Um, this this comes to us by by, uh, or this question came to me by email from a regular listener by the name of uh, Noel. I think it's Noel. Maybe it's Noel, um, but I'm pretty sure it's Noel. Um, and I had a great correspondence, really long email with, with several questions and some feedback uh, on, a, on some previous episodes I did. But the, the, the question I want to tackle here uh, is this, how do we truly know if someone's been born again? Uh, it's a great question, great thought. Uh, Jesus makes very clear to us in the Gospel of John, John chapter 3, that if we're going to enter into the kingdom of God, we must be born again. That means we were spiritually dead and God does this supernatural thing where he recreates us. Theologians call this regeneration. This is the idea of being born again. But being born again or being regenerated is not something that you can spiritually see, right? This is not something you can see with your, your physical eyes. So how do we know if someone in our life is genuinely born again? How do we judge whether or not someone has actually gone from death to life? How do we know that they have genuinely been regenerated? Uh, before I give you some thoughts on how do you determine if someone's really been born again, I'm going to give you four ideas on how do you, how do you judge that. Uh, I'm going to give you two caveats. Number one, is it even right for us to judge this? That's sort of a question that comes up. It feels like some people say, hey, you know, we can never know. How, how dare you even try to judge that? That seems wrong. It seems unfair. Um, but as we look in the scriptures... Jesus tells us that when we judge, we ought to make sure we do it righteously and fairly. In John chapter 7, he talks about the idea that when you judge, to do it in a way that is righteous. Well, there seems to be an implication there. Jesus is expecting us to make judgments. Jesus is expecting us to to, to sort of look at people and to make some of those to make some of those judgments. Um, and Jesus, by the way, is a God of judgment. Um, John chapter five is very clear. All judgment has been delegated to Jesus. Jesus does pass judgments and there are moments where we can pass judgment, where it's appropriate for us to pass judgment as long as we do it righteously. The problem is you have lots of people judging unrighteously or unfairly, or they're being judgmental. Those things are wrong. Lots of people are, are unfairly judgmental or they're condescending or they rush to judgments without uh, without proper evidences. Those things are inappropriate. I, I talked about this at length in two previous episodes, um, episode 26 and episode 6. 63 are two episodes I did on the idea on judgment, whether or not Christians should judge and how should Christians judge properly or what is the proper way to judge. I want to encourage you at some point, go back and listen to episodes 26 uh, and episode 63. Those could be really valuable and helpful in answering that question. Um, the other caveat I want to mention is that in our judgment, it's plausible that we could be wrong. Like it's plausible that we could think someone is saved 
and they're actually not saved. We could think that someone has been born again and they're actually not. Now, the, the other the other way is also possible. Maybe we think someone is not saved and they actually are. That That's plausible. It's not very likely though. And, I, and, and by the time this episode's done, you'll understand why. It, it is possible to think that someone's not a true Christian and they're not, they have not been born again, um, but that maybe they actually are, but you're just wrong in your judgment. It's, it's possible that that could happen but it's probably extremely unlikely and it's probably extremely rare. But what is highly likely is that you may think someone is genuinely a Christian and genuinely born again, but they're actually not. Like they seem to be, uh, you know, walking the walk and talking the talk, you know, publicly and from what you know about them. But when you actually get to know them in their, in kind of the darkness of their life and the secrets of their life, you begin to realize they're actually not living for Jesus. Um, that, that, that does happen. Many of us probably have heard stories of people that, that, that we thought they were one thing and we actually find out they're not. So that is something that is actually very likely to happen. And it is likely that, that, that it's possible that, um, that that could happen to you. In fact, I would guarantee there are people in your life that you think are genuine Christians that actually are not. Um, in fact, people fool themselves. Matthew chapter seven, Jesus makes it very clear. There's going to be people who say, "Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name?" Like there's this whole crew of people doing things for God. They believe they've been born again, and they actually have not been. Which, by the way, should be very sobering and frightening to us. It should it should push us to truly make sure that we ourselves have put our faith in Christ and that we are genuinely following and loving God. Um, so if people have fooled themselves, there's no doubt they're going to fool other people. Like, so so the, the caveats are, one, yes, it is appropriate to judge as long as you're doing it with the right evidence in the right way, and also know that you're going to be wrong. And in, in most cases, there's going to be moments where you believe someone is a Christian, but they actually turn out not to be genuine believers. So those are two important caveats to consider and pray through. Um, so okay, how do you really know if someone's truly been born again? Let me give you four, the four ways you can consider this. Number one, do they really claim to be a follower of Jesus? Like, do they believe that Jesus is who he said he is? John chapter three, Jesus made it clear. All who believe in me will not be condemned. Like, multiple times throughout the gospels, dozens of times throughout the gospels, Jesus makes it very clear. Those who follow me, who believe me, they will have eternal life. We see this in John chapter five, Jesus very clearly saying it. Those who believe in me, will pass from death to life. John 6, those who believe in me will have eternal life. It's very clear. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 10. Those who confess that Jesus is Lord and they believe that Jesus is raised from the dead, those are the ones that will be genuinely saved. Again, those are the two conditions that Paul sets. Do you actually claim to be a follower of Jesus? And do you actually believe who he said he was? Do you believe that he was God? And do you believe that he genuinely rose from the dead? I'm always amazed that there are Christians out there that will believe that a certain person is going to heaven and is truly saved when that third person has never even put their faith in Christ. Like as as absurd as that may sound, yes, I have met people who've said to me, Oh yeah, I think that person's a Christian. Well, why? Well, because of this, 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 or this. And you end up asking them, Well, has that person actually like does that person believe that Jesus is God? Does that person believe that Jesus is the only way? Like, does that person believe that Jesus genuinely rose from the dead? Does that person truly made a commitment to follow Christ? Uh, have they? Like, I don't know how many times it's happened to me where you get into the conversation, and you realize, well, maybe they haven't actually. Maybe that person doesn't actually believe that Jesus was God or that Jesus actually rose from the dead or, you know, they have never really made a, a true commitment to following Christ above all else. And you go, well, why, why would you think that person's a Christian? 
<laughs> like, does that person claim to be a follower of Christ above all others? Like, have they gone all in on Jesus? Like, does that person believe that Jesus was God? Do they genuinely believe that Christ actually rose from the dead? Like, if, if they haven't made those proclamations, those confessions, those declarations, why would you believe they're a Christian if they haven't confessed that with their mouth very clearly? Just seems odd to me. Number two, does the person genuinely seem to love God? Listen, all of us can tell if someone is in love, right? Like when you meet someone, you're like, oh, you know, they're in love with that person or what they love. Like all of us, we have friends where you're like, well, that person loves that thing. Well, how do you know? Because they just, you could just tell when they talk about it, when when that thing comes up in conversation. Or you could have lunch with someone and it just, just so happens that it always comes up in conversation because they love a particular thing. Like we all know friends that are very political because politics always comes up in conversation. We all know friends that, that are, are uh, you know, love a particular food because that particular food seems to come up in conversation regularly. All of us know that friend who loves a particular sports team because that particular sports team seems to come up in conversation frequently. Like... You can hang out with someone and know what they love. So ask yourself this question about the person that you're, you're, you're making a judgment about. Do they seem to genuinely love God? Three times we see in the Gospels, Matthew 22, Mark 12, Luke 10. Jesus makes very clear, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. Like, does the person love God with everything they've got? Do they clearly seem to have genuine, deep affection for God? Does that, is that even there? I don't know how many times I have a conversation with someone and, and they're talking about someone and you begin to really begin to make judgment, begin to really examine that person's life. You're really going to investigate and you go, I don't know that they really love God. Why would you believe they're a Christian? Why would you believe they're in the family of God on their way to heaven if they don't genuinely love God? If there's not some evidence of affection. Listen, if you know someone and there's not genuine affection, genuine love, genuine spark of of interest and joy and excitement in that person for Jesus, that person's not a follower of Jesus. What does that person's conversations gravitate toward? What do they get excited about? What What are they most passionate about? What do they desire most? What makes them cry? What makes them sing for joy? Is it Jesus? It is obvious to me when a person has genuine affection for Jesus. Now listen, all of us have moments where we struggle. All of us have seasons of our lives where where our affections wane to some extent. But overall, over the course of your life, over the course of time, is there genuine affection for God? When you're, when you're observing someone else's life, yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. We all struggle. We all have moments of deep sin. We all have moments of anxiety. We all have moments where we, where we do stupid things. We all have moments of disobedience. Like We all have seasons where we kind of go up and down. But overall, the, the overall trajectory of their life, is there legitimate love of God? Do they seem to really love God? If the answer is, I don't know, and I don't know how you can be confident that, that person is a Christian. I would challenge you to go have a conversation with them and to maybe challenge them to love God, to follow Christ. Number three, are they truly devoted to Christ and his way of living? John 14, Jesus, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Right? In Matthew 16 and Luke 9, Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus is saying, listen, you've, you've got to die. What you want, your desires, your way of doing things 
You got to crucify those things, man. And you got to follow Jesus. You got to live the way Jesus lived. You got to be seeking to live like Christ. Now, again, we're all going to have moments of failure. We're all going to have moments where we, we don't do it well. We're, we're all going to be up and down. But, but it's sort of like the stock market. It may go up and down, up and down, up and down. But over the course of time, it's always going up. Over a long period of time, there's a clear trajectory. Again, there are moments where it crashes and it doesn't do so good. There are moments where it's erratic and, and, and not near, you're not nearly as confident. But over the course of time, there's a trajectory of the stock market. And I think the, 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 the same should be said about our obedience to Christ. Over the course of time, is the person becoming more devoted to Christ, more obedient to Christ? Are they sinning less over the course of time? Maybe they're up and down. Maybe they have moments where they crash. But over the course of time, are they clearly set in a particular trajectory? Are they clearly focused and devoted to Christ and living the way that Christ would have them live? Again, Jesus said it in John 14, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. This is very clear, friends. If someone over the course of time is not becoming more devoted to Christ and more devoted and committed to obedience to Christ over the course of time, you were fooling yourself if you believe that person is actually saved. Go to that person and implore them to put their faith in Christ. And then lastly this, we know people by their fruit. Jesus said in Matthew 7, you will know people by their fruit. Listen, orange trees don't produce apples. Right? How do you judge if a tree is a particular type of tree? By the fruit that it bears. In episode 109, I did an interview with a pastor, uh, Matt McAfee. We talked about why the, the fruit of the Spirit is important. If you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to go listen to episode 109. The Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians to keep in step with the Spirit. That's that's sort of like a running analogy. You know, when you're like, if you're running with someone, you want to run at the same pace, or you want to keep in step. You don't want to get ahead of them. You don't want to fall behind. You want to intentionally focus to stay alongside of that person. They're your running buddy. Well, Paul is telling us to do that with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, hey, make the Holy Spirit your running buddy in life. Stick, stick in step with the Spirit. Be intentional and focused in running alongside the Holy Spirit to, to consult with the Holy Spirit. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to, to work in your life, to, to seek God's uh, um, uh, advice on particular things and to try to do your life in such a way that it is what the Holy Spirit would want you to be doing. Live in line with the Holy Spirit. And as you live in line with the Holy Spirit and you keep in step with the Spirit, in Galatians 5, we see that there will be fruit of the Spirit that is born. That as you develop a healthy friendship with the Holy Spirit, fruit will be born out of that. Just like if a tree is healthy, Right? If, a, if a tree is staying in line with the nutrients it needs, if a tree is being cultivated properly, then the tree is going to bear good fruits or, or the fruit that it's supposed to bear. In the same way, if we do what Paul tells us to do in Galatians, keep in step with the Spirit, then there's no doubt Then we will see the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. It's very clear. The analogy here, as we look in the context of Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul is making clear to us. He is saying 
that as you are engaging with the Spirit of God, as you are cultivating a healthy friendship with God, as you're engaging with God, these things should be naturally growing more and more in your life. You don't have to work at becoming more loving or more joyful or more peaceful or more patient or more gentle. You don't have to work at it. You have to simply focus on engaging with God and developing a healthy relationship with Him, and those things will naturally come as a byproduct. So ask yourself this question. Does this person clearly have a friendship with God that is making this person bear more fruit in their life? Now listen, I'll make it very clear. Some people are naturally good at some of these things. That doesn't mean they're Christians. That doesn't mean that they're saved. Some people are naturally more gentle than me, to be honest with you. There are some non-Christian people that I know that are naturally more gentle than Kenny Ortiz. That doesn't mean they're Christians. Some people are naturally more patient than others. Some people are naturally kinder and more faithful than other people. That's, that's not what Galatians 5 is talking about. It is very clear in the context of Galatians 5. The Apostle Paul is saying that, that, to, that we as Christians, as we engage with God and we grow in our friendship with God, then it should be obvious that these things are growing in greater fashion. Someone may be naturally gentle. That doesn't mean they've engaged with the Spirit of God. But what, what it does mean, what, what we do want to look for is, okay, someone was a certain level of gentleness and very clearly they engaged with God. They had this friendship with God and their gentleness seemed to grow. In fact, this is one of the most obvious reasons why I know that I'm a Christian. It's one of my natural evidences because I know that I'm naturally not very gentle. And there's people who have known me for many years, people who have known me for a decade plus, people who know me well. All of them tell me, Kenny, from where you were, to where you are today. It is obvious that you've had this healthy friendship with God, that you've been engaging with the Spirit of God, and that over the course of time, we've watched you transform to being far more gentle with people than you were a decade ago. Like, it, the fruit that's being borne out is not just, oh, you're good at this thing. It is, no, it is, there is evidence that fruit has come out of a engagement with the Spirit of God. So the question when you ask yourself is, is it obvious that this person has engaged with the Spirit of God in such a way that they are producing the fruit of the Spirit in a grander fashion than they otherwise would have been? Right? It is, uh, is it obvious that this person has such a good friendship with God that they are seeking to be influenced by God in their everyday lives, that they are seeking to have, to have the Spirit of God be a part of their lives, that they are clearly getting better and better and better in all of these areas, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is it obvious that they are growing and getting stronger in all of these areas because of, because of their friendship or relationship with God? Some people might get better at these things just with age. Some people might get better with these things because maybe they take an anger management class or whatever. Like, no, that, that's not what we're looking for. We're not just looking for someone who just happened to get better. We're looking for someone who engaged with the Spirit of God and it became obvious that they bore this fruit because of the influence they had, well, because of the influence in their life and the engagement of the Spirit of God. That, that is the clear thing we're looking for. So again, the four things. How do we know if someone truly has been born again? Number one, do they even claim to be a follower of Jesus? Do they claim to truly believe in God, that he is who he said he was and that he rose from the dead? Do they genuinely believe that? Do they believe that Jesus is the only way and that apart from him there is no, no salvation? Do they really believe that? Number two, do they seem to genuinely love Jesus? Are they in love with Jesus? 
Number three, are they devoted and dedicated to living the way Christ would have them live? Are they seeking to keep his commands, to pick up their own cross and follow Christ? And number four, is it obvious that they are growing in the fruit of the Spirit because of their engagement with the Spirit? Is that obvious? If the answer to these four questions is yes, then you know what? It is safe to assume that person is probably a genuine follower of Jesus. You should celebrate that and be excited. If the answer is no to these questions, no, this person isn't these ways, then then you would be wise to assume that they are not genuine Christians, and that means they are not on their way to heaven. It's the opposite. And, and, and I would encourage you to go to them and share with them the truth of the gospel. Be bold and share with them the truth that apart from Christ, there is no salvation. And challenge them to follow Christ, to love him, and to put all their hope and faith in Christ and in Christ alone. If we meet someone who doesn't seem to be following Jesus, it is our obligation to challenge them to follow Christ. Because apart from Christ, there is no hope. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hope this has been helpful and insightful. If you have a question or a topic you'd like me to address in a future episode, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email. The address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Hey, to ensure that you never miss a single episode of the podcast, make sure you subscribe in Apple iTunes or your favorite podcast player. That'll guarantee that every episode gets delivered directly to your device as soon as they go live. Hey, if you're loving the podcast, leave us a review and a five-star rating. Those reviews are a big, big help to the show. Thanks again for listening. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.